go broadcasting from Atlanta, Georgia. You are now live from the Midnight Circus. This is Lahamadu. I've got one great show for you today. Today, our featured artist, it's Brad Absher and the Superials. They got a brand new release out. We'll be listening to tracks from that. And of course, we'll be talking with Brad at the top of the hour. You're not going to want to miss that interview. Now, this is the voice of Indie Blues. This is the show that brings you nothing but currently touring artists who are out there creating new, original music rooted in the blues. We embrace the diversity of music that always has and still is being created from those roots. Now, if you get a chance, stop by our website at makingascene.org. We got great articles, CD reviews, artist interviews, and you can vote in the Independent Blues Awards. In the meantime, I have got some great new music I know you're going to love, and some great new artists I just can't wait to introduce you to. And of course, I aim to misbehave. Feel 
start shaking I want some more You better look out, I said, honey, I'm bad for you
Whether you're an independent artist or a fan that loves them, makingascene.org is the place for you. For the music fan, we bring you in-depth interviews and CD reviews from artists who are on the cutting edge of original music. For the independent artist, we bring you articles on music business, recording techniques, gear reviews, and interviews with industry professionals that give you real-world information to help you negotiate the new realities in the music industry and give you the tools you need to move your career to the next level. We bring you new content every day. Makingascene.org is the number one resource for the independent artists and the fans that love them. Head on over and become part of the indie revolution. And now, here's an indie blues double shot from our featured artist today, Brad Absher and the Superials. And stay tuned for that interview. It comes up right after these songs. I still cry when I think about it. Not gonna see you for a long, long while. They say time heals everything. I don't believe that this time.
from his brand new release and we got brad on the line right now hey brad how you doing well i'm doing great i'm doing great thanks to, thanks for thanks for calling well thank you for coming on the show now Heck yeah this is your first time on our show and we always like to give our fans an opportunity to get to know an artist and the best way to do that is to look at your journey how you got mm-hmm. to where you are today so give us the story of Brad Absner. Well, there's no N. I think you're saying Absner. It's Absher. A B S H E R. Okay, Absher. Okay. Let's, let's get that right. There we go. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, I was born in Tulsa, Oklahoma, 1963, which means I'm just about to, my next birthday, I'll be 60. Uh, my father was in the oil business, so we traveled all over the place. Uh, internationally and, and domestically and we ended up in Lake Charles Louisiana finally in the 
about uh, 1969, just about the time I started started elementary school. And we lived in, I don't know if you know where Lake Charles is, that's extreme South Louisiana, uh, right up against the Texas border. So it's uh, great, great hunting, great fishing, that kind of stuff. So I grew up doing all that with my father. And then uh, when I got to be about high school, about teenage years, my parents decided they would move back to Oklahoma. They were both they were both Okies. And so we moved to uh, just outside of Tulsa, Oklahoma, on a, on a farm. I had cattle and uh, all that stuff. So I got to be a, I was a cowboy for a few years there in high school. Then uh, in 1981, I finally made my way to Tulsa, uh, which is where I live now currently. Uh, we had one detour where we lived in Houston, Texas from 2000 to about 2017. That was also oil industry related. My wife Amy works for Chevron. Worked for Chevron. She retired last summer. And uh, so in 2018, we bought a house in Tulsa, and we've been we've been home. We call Tulsa home. And uh, we also have a have a little place in New Orleans. So we we spend uh, we spend quite a bit of time there. We're big Saints football fans, and uh, I get to play a little music down there as well, which is also good for the soul. Okay. Now, let's talk a little bit about the new release. You know, every artist mm-hmm. has either a, a very specific message or a goal for the release that they put out. What was mm-hmm. your message or goal for this particular release? Well, I'll tell you, it's been, it's been a number of years since I've, I've put a record out, and people are probably wondering what the heck happened to me. And not to start off on a downer, but I lost my daughter in 2016. She was my only child. She was 24. Oh, I'm sorry and, to hear uh, that. And I'll tell you what, that, that has a way of uh, recalibrating recalibrating things for me. And, and, you know, there was a couple of years there where just outside the few live gigs, you know, around my home in Houston, where we lived at the time, I just pulled back. I just didn't. Uh, I I wasn't too interested in the music business right then, and it, it took me a couple of years really to get back on the to get back on the horse and get going. So, except for the one song called "Goodbye for Now" that I wrote for Madison, that was that was my daughter's name. Uh, apart from that, I wanted it to, to be that. That was such a heavy. That's such a heavy topic that I wanted the rest of it to be as up as possible. And it seems like, uh, you know, I watch the news and stuff, and I don't even recognize America anymore with uh, all the division. And it's just not the same place it was when I was a kid, you know. And so I just tried to write a, a few of those are just, come on, guys, we can do better than this type uh, type outlet, you know, trying to just frame it in, within an R&B song. You know, it's really sort of a, sort of a let's pull our bootstraps up and, Maybe we can meet it. One, one song's called Neutral Ground, uh, which is a nod also to New Orleans Mardi Gras time. Uh, but uh, I wrote it sort of in the framework of a, of a love song. But it's I've been married to the same woman now for 36 years, and and uh, meeting in the neutral ground is something you learn to do when you're when you're married that long. And well, I wish America could do that, and you know, be a little less political and just a little more decent to one another. 
so that was that was kind of my my aim there okay well let's let's talk about you as a songwriter um every writer has their way of tapping into the muse and getting those gears rolling what is your mm-hmm. process when you sit down to write well generally with me i'll come up with a chord progression or a or a little riff on my guitar uh that spurs maybe it spurs just another you know how it is it just builds an idea i'm, I'm not a very fast writer i i tend to uh it's sort of like going, I guess for me it's sort of like going to the grocery store you know I, I take a little bit from here and I take a little bit from there and I take a little bit from there and and after a while I I sort of cobble my own thing together I'm not a I'm not a very educated musician you know like some folks and so really I've I just sort of have to wait on the the inspiration I, I constantly play you know, every, my, my wife is still amazed that, like I said, even though I'm about to turn 60 every morning when she gets up and, and comes out of the bedroom, I'm sitting on the couch with a guitar, and uh, she, I think she thinks it's charming, you know, that I still... But uh, it there is, you know, it's like fishing. You don't always catch them, but you're not going to catch them if you're not out there trying, so, you know, I just sit around... I, I'm 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 pretty old school. I'm still kind of notebook and paper. I've got an iPad that I that I use, you know, just to store lyrics and stuff in. But as far as songwriting apps or any of that stuff, I haven't really I haven't really fooled with too much of it. I've got an app that uh, helps do chord charts. You know, like if I write a song and I I need to show it to a piano player right quick, I've got an app that I can. Uh, I can I can cobble together a, a bit of a chart for them to to read, you know, and uh, but other than that, you know, it's funny. Uh, I've played guitar for so long. There's a lot of song. There's there's songs hidden in guitars. You know, you've probably heard. I don't know if you've heard other guitar players talk about that, but uh, anytime I've ever gotten a new guitar, there's a there's a song in there right away. You know, I can I can almost. I can almost guarantee the first time I sit down with a brand new guitar, uh, something's going to be something's going to be in there, and you know, and it's not uh, very financially feasible. But you know, sometimes if you're if you're completely tapped out, you can always go and get a new guitar, and you probably get yourself get yourself rolling again. Okay, now let's talk a little bit about um, you know. Uh, finding melodies as opposed to lyric i always look at lyric as mm-hmm. a very structured process it's a craft to find lyrics because you have yep. a story you have a certain continuity uh meter rhyme all these really structure elements that you need in lyric but melody is a little different um some songwriters like to work off a groove and allow the melody to free form Others use a chord structure or even the lyrics and allow their cadence to dictate where the melody should go. What is your go-to when you start looking for your melodies? Well, it's just, uh, gosh, it's just, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely one of the freeform guys that, you know, I just sit around and, and, and just keep hammering. If I've got an idea that I think I'm onto something, I'll just, keep playing it forever until something presents itself you know 
I heard uh, I was I, I grew up a big Tom Petty fan as far as just the songwriting more than I was always more into blues than than they they ever played. But I I appreciated that that band a lot, and I, I heard him say one time it was uh, sometimes it's completely up to the song, you know, and and I mean even some of even some songs that we all know now as as great hits. He said, you know, I had these three chords and I sat around playing them for three weeks. Until nobody could even sit in the same room with me and listen to it anymore, and then you know, on that 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 hundredth time through that chord progression, here comes a little something, and and that's how it is for me. I just have to keep at it until something presents itself. Okay, now um, a lot of songwriters have uh, embraced technology as part mm-hmm. of their their toolkit. Uh, when you sit down to write, what are some of the tools that you find essential to your writing process? Well, it depends on the style, I guess. If I'm, you know, if I'm trying to write, uh, sometimes it's hard. I get bogged down because I don't play the drums, and I and I don't, and I'm not tech savvy enough to sit down with a drum machine and and program all that out. So when once once there were some pretty decent drum uh, suites, you know, or whatever you call it, you can. Uh, I use something called Pro Logic uh, to record songs here. I've got a little home studio, and and for me, it was having the ability to to play a rhythm or a feel or or, or a type of groove into a machine, and then hit a button and and it come up with some drum you know, with, with drum parts was, that was just a Shazam moment for me. Cause I was constantly, you know, you get, you get something going and you're thinking, well, I'd, lo- I'd love to hear this with some drums on it. And, you know, sometimes it's not feasible just to call a drummer up and, you know, uh, and so, you know, for me, that, my, that was, that's my favorite part of technology. Uh, sorry, that was such a long answer to a relatively short question, but, uh, being able to sit down and and sort of build a song that way, you know, with actual drums, because I, you know, I play bass too, and and so you know, if I can get a drum track down that's that's pretty decent, it really accelerates the whole process and and makes me that way. You'll know right away whether something's going to work or not because you're. I mean, it's almost like you're. It's almost like you're working on a finished track, you know, when you're just doing. Sometimes I think my demos. <laughs> sound as good as, as some of the finished product, you know. Yeah, well, I know with the technology today in the studio, I mean, it's, um, you know, it's amazing what you can do in in a home studio today, you know? Yeah, it's crazy. It's it's really crazy. Yeah, kids are, kids are so lucky. Yeah. Well, you know, I've been a recording engineer since 1980. So, you know, I'm always curious what you know, artists today use in their studios. Uh, so mm-hmm. what software are you using in your studio as far as your door? Well, for recording it, uh, I'm using ProLogic, which is uh, Apple. You know, right. Made, made to run with an Apple. So that's what I ha- I have an Apple computer. So, And then, uh, you know, I'm I'm very old school. I'm, I'm tube guitar amps. Mm-hmm. I've got two. I've got two microphone preamps. I like the Universal Audio six tens. Yeah, the gorgeous, from, aren't from, they? 
from back in the day. I've got I've got a couple of old ones of those that I keep I keep new tubes in and and keep them serviced and running. And man, you just can't you just can't beat the. I actually did a couple of overdubs on the 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 new record right here at home. A couple of things that we just forgot. And uh, you know you really can't tell. I was I was proud to say you, you there's no way you could tell the stuff that that we did here as opposed to the stuff we did at the. The, uh, the alleged big studio, like we used to call it, the big studio or the little studio. Right. <laughs> now they're all sort of the same. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, you know, the, the playing field has leveled a bit, you know? Yep. And uh, while I've got you here, I should say, Tulsa is so lucky. Uh, there's a church, uh, there's a, a studio here, I'm sorry, called the Church Studio that was owned by Leon Russell, from 1972 to about 76, it was the home of Shelter Records. So Freddie King cut there, and and it's it's just gotten about a ten million dollar upgrade, including a brand new Neve. Well, not a brand new, new to us, a Neve console that was purchased from Daniel Lanois. So I mean, it's the it's the U2 console and the Bob Dylan console. And uh, I actually just got to record a couple of songs there. We did we we recut my song "Neutral Ground" with a with an eight piece brass band joining in. And and then while I had the while I had an eight piece horn section in the studio, I said, "What else can we do?" And since it's also the 40th anniversary of my favorite album, which is "Waiting for Columbus" by Little Feet, uh, we also did a version of "Spanish Moon" that I'm super proud of. That hasn't been released yet. I'll have to send you that one when I when we get finished with the interview. I'll I'll shoot you a copy of that. You'll be the first one to have it. Cool. <laughs> All right. But but check out the church studio for some interesting history and uh, and heck, come to Tulsa and take a visit. Okay. <laughs> now you know, believe it or not, I used to manage uh, Sam Blues Man Taylor, who had um, quite a history in Tulsa. Um, oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I did a radio show with him, and, um, you know, and, and I worked with him for, like, you know, 15 years. So Wow, how cool. Yeah, he was a great, great songwriter and great uh, yeah. artist and, and a right. great friend. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, let's talk a little bit about um, that moment where you have to declare the song finished in the writing phase. You know... <laughs> I know songs yep. are never really finished. They're only abandoned. Um, sure. You know, but you have to get to a point where you give it to the band, you give it to the producer, you take it into the studio, and allow it to go into its next phase of life. What do you do to determine that moment where you think the song is ready to move to that next phase? Well, I'm I'm not... I don't know. I don't think I'm as, as precious about all that as some, some songwriters that I've heard. I'm pretty eager to, you know, I've, the guys I've played with now, I've played with, especially the drummer. Uh, he was he played he was the drummer on my first album, so we've been we've been friends for 35 years, and so with those, uh, you know, I trust those guys 100. percent And so I'm pretty quick to I'm pretty quick to say, hey guys, I think I've got something here, because uh, you know I'm I don't really dictate all the parts i'm i'm completely fine with everybody finding their own you know finding their own voice within the song i don't i'm not one of those that says okay you do this and you do this and if you don't it's not going to work uh 
I'm pretty quick of saying, hey, okay, guys, I've, I've got one. As long as I've got enough verses and choruses, uh, then we'll try it. You know, we're pretty uh, we're pretty quick in the studio. I like recording just everybody everybody in the same in the same space. And uh, these last two songs I recorded, oddly, were the first time I ever tried to you know the wrecking crew approach, which uh, they were actually guys other than my band and i i'd never really done that I, i've always been a real loyal guys you know i want to use my band and not a bunch of session guys because i think my guys are just as good but uh you know i just wanted to see i said what the heck since it's just two songs just kind of bonus tracks uh and that was an interesting way to work that's that's really i get more nervous with that because because then you're then you're presenting a song to complete strangers you know when i when i present a song to the guys that i to my band then they know what to do they know okay yeah we got we got this we have a kind of a shorthand but but you know if you're the if you just come in sort of as the writer and everybody's looking at you like okay what do we do then that's really that's that's more nerve-wracking to me than than recording with a group you know doing the the jimmy webb thing or the the glenn campbell deal where no one's ever heard the song and you just go for it <laughs> <laughs> now um tell me a little bit about the lineup on this who's playing on it well i just mentioned my drummer his name is matt martin and uh when i, I moved to tulsa in 81 like i said i was just out of high school and i immediately found this gravitated toward this band called the gators and and that was actually the drummer on those that was that was one of those bands that I could, I'd have to sneak in or, or, or talk to the doorman, you know, and let me, just let me hang out in the back and watch the band, because I wasn't old enough to be there. Uh, so we've been around a long time, and on bass, I've got a great bass player named Dylan Layton, and I, Dylan was the second guy I called because I, about ten years ago, I picked up playing bass as well, and I, I really gravitated toward it. And I liked it, and I wanted to. Ha I wanted to be able to switch off between bass and guitar. And Dylan's also a great guitar player. So, if you come see the Superials, I, I do. I do most of it on guitar, but there's also a set that I, I front the band and play bass, uh, which is you know it's fun. It's fun for me. It keeps it keeps it a little more interesting. Okay. Uh, let's say I've got a young guitar player named Jake Hempel, who kind of brings the modern. He brings the more, he's more of a, you know, all the young guys are John Mayer uh, devotees now. He's he's made quite an impact on, on people. And so I wanted a young guy that I could, that I could get some of that from, because I'm, I'm very, I'm, I'm completely old school. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm Booker T and that sort of thing. And, and so I, I like having a young guy around, uh, we were very fortunate on the, in the keyboard slot. We've got a, an old guy named Danny Timms, and if you if you look at if you Google Danny Timms, Danny played with Chris Christopherson for a long time and was the musical director uh, for The Highwaymen, which was Johnny Cash and right. Chris and all those guys. And so that was quite a deal. He happened to live. We recorded this stuff up at Leon Russell's old Paradise Studio up at Grand Lake. 
uh, and it's 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 still there. A friend of ours who's a drummer still runs it. It's it's a it's just you just rent in the room. It's a big old room with a control room, and you have to bring the gear. You have to you're responsible for all the gear. But the room's still there. It's such a great place to work. It's right on the banks of of a lake called Grand Lake, real pretty lake, and. So we were up there, we were deciding, we were trying to, we were, I didn't have a keyboard player at the time in the band, and I thought, who are we going to get for this stuff? And Well, we spent hours racking our brains, and, and one night, we all, Matt started laughing, and I said, what's the matter? And he said, well, I just remembered Danny Timms, one of the greatest piano players in the country, lives about a mile from here. <laughs> so we called Danny up, and he was glad to, he just literally had to put his house shoes on and drive about a mile up the road from his house and he was at the studio so that worked out great uh speaking of young guys uh i've got a young man named chris combs who fronts a band called combsby who's getting a lot of buzz in the in the in the record business right now and he's the producer on the record again like i said i love the young guys uh we've got a we've got a group of young musicians here in tulsa right now that they are so much better than we were uh, in the 70s and 80s that it's that it's not even funny. Uh, they're so far ahead of us, and so I just try to I try to get as much of that energy as I can on my on my project. I'm, I'm not one of those guys that shies away from the youngsters. I I like giving the young guys a chance because I like their energy, and uh, hopefully they're learning a thing or, or a thing or two from me, like like using these six pins. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Now, um, let's talk a little bit about um, getting it out there. Um, of course, you got to get it to radio and press, and you're working with the legendary Mark Pucci. Um, tell me a little bit about how that came about and how that relationship is working. Well, I met Mark uh, when we released my last album, which was called Lucky Dog, when I lived in Houston. Uh, Larry Fulcher produced that record, and Larry was his longtime bassist for Taj Mahal. Uh, and Larry and Mark were friends, and he said, "Man, this is the perfect, perfect style of music uh, for Mark." And so we met then. We had breakfast in Memphis one morning during the the IBC competition. My band, uh, I had a band in Houston called Swamp Royale, and. We made the finals of the IBCs in 2015, I think that, that was the year. And so once I started talking to Mark, I mean, he literally represented every, you know, I was a Southern rock kid, you know, like I said, I grew up in South Louisiana. So, so ZZ Top and, and you know, all that, Leonard Skinner and, you know, and Mark Pucci was the guy on all of that. I mean, he, you know, he can tell you Almond Brothers stories that nobody else in the world has, has done except for Mark, you know. And uh, I, it's amazing to me that he still that he still likes the music enough to even bother to get up in the morning and, and work. You know, he's done enough. If I was Mark, I'd be bass fishing all day, I think. But he still he still likes it, and you know, what a better guy to have on your side when you're when you're a Southern soul guy, you know? Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. Now, uh, let's talk a little bit about the music industry. 
Um, over the last 20, 25 years, we've been looking at a digital revolution that really changed the music industry several times. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we've gone from, you know, CDs to, you know, file sharing to downloads to now streaming. And, right. you know, let's face it, the consumer has embraced streaming as a way to consume music. You know, they consume yep. more. It costs them a lot less. So for the consumer, it's a great deal. For the artist, well, not so much. Um, right. They're... Um, you know, they, they no longer look at recorded music as a product anymore. It's it's a service. Yeah. If they right. hear yeah. about an artist, they go on Spotify, they look them up, they listen to everything they got. And if they like it or something fits their soundtrack to their life, they add it to a playlist. How right. has this shift in the consumer's perception of recorded music affected you as an artist? Well, boy, if I could, you know, if I had the answer to how we could monetize uh, the file sharing thing more, I'd be, I'd be everybody's hero. But uh, man, I don't, I don't know. It's yeah, it's great. I mean, I, I, I use it all the time. You know, it's, it's, uh, you know, when we were kids, you had to, if you, like, it, my example is, I always go back to the southern rock thing, but, you know. I, I was such a such a follower of Billy Gibbons that you know if if Billy Gibbons said yeah Freddie Kings where I got all this stuff then instantly I had to had to start researching Freddie King well now I mean you can do that in, in two seconds you can be a an instant expert and and I think that's a disservice to to, to young people to young musicians because you know that was that was part of the thing. With us was the search was was I mean that was the whole that was the whole thing that was as exciting as playing the music was standing there flipping through the record bin you know and and oh my God here's this record Billy Gibbons was talking about you know and and I don't think uh, I don't think kids get that experience anymore when and maybe they don't care you know maybe they <laughs> obviously they don't think they they're missing out on anything. But uh, I think it's just all convenience. You know, it's just all, it's all based on convenience. And, and I'm, a, I'm a victim of it too, you know. I hear a song, I go, yeah, let's, let's see who that is. And off you go. And like you said, you can, for a dollar, you can download somebody's entire life's work, you know. <laughs> yeah. And it's, I don't know, it's, it's it's an odd time, definitely. And you know, my first my first record came out in 1992, which was the year of the CD. You know, I mean, we couldn't even find anyone to press vinyl up, and so, uh, you know, my new record's my eighth album, Tulsa T. This is my eighth record, and it's the first one I've ever done on vinyl. So that's kind of a I'm excited about that, you know, and. And vinyl is just about the worst possible way to share music, but I'm glad to see that it's coming back. You know, you don't want to buy a, you don't want to buy a, a an album, a 12 inch album at a concert and have to stand around with it, the whole. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, and I, I just think that, I think we've, I think we've been sucked in 
just for the convenience factor alone. Yeah, I, I think I think you're right. Um, but you know, I, I one of the things that I think uh, really has hurt the artist is that decreased revenue stream that streaming seems to give, um, and it's yeah. not sustainable. Uh, we can't continue to operate as an industry with that as a um, revenue model, um, right, especially for the independent artist. If we right. don't reward or at least economically allow an artist to recoup what it costs to uh, record a project, then we're really doing a disservice to the industry. And we're diminishing the music industry's middle class. Um, right. And, and yeah, like you said, it's it's not sustainable. Right. It's not sustainable. Um, now, there are some technologies that are coming down the pike one of which is this new streaming platforms that are based on the blockchain. Now, the blockchain is this technology that they use to secure cryptocurrency, but they evolved it to allow digital applications and smart contracts. And they created these streaming platforms like Audius and Emanate that really gives the artist three very distinct advantages. One of which is the the whole system is decentralized. In other words, no one company can control the system. It is controlled right. by the network and it is controlled uh, by the people who put up the content to the network. So there's no one company that you can that record companies can then negotiate with to get a bigger piece because that's not right. how it operates. The right. second is that their claiming is that they're going to pay up to 90% of the incoming revenue back to the artists that are creating the content. The other 10% going to the network to run the nodes. Um mm -hmm. And then the third is the fact that um, uh, <laughs> just had a senior moment here. Um, the fact that you get paid immediately upon a stream that because uh. of the smart contract, once your music is accessed, the smart contract gets triggered and sends a payment to you immediately upon listening to it. Wow. Um, Instead of it going, you know, to your aggregator and then from the aggregator, you know, first the, the Spotify has to compile it. Then the aggregator has to compile it. And you're looking right. at 60 to 90 days before you start seeing money. Um, right. So it, it, those three distinct advantages, I think, are part of these new platforms. What do you think of that as being part of the future of the music industry? Well, I mean, uh, I like the I like the fact that you're getting paid quicker. Even though, hopefully, it's uh, like they say, hopefully it's not in percentages of of, of pennies. Well, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> like like Spotify, my wife always coming from the oil business. She's amazed that they even bother with sending actual a physical checkout. You know for. I, I got a check for nine cents one time. You know, it's like they 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 cut a tree down to send me a check for nine cents. You know, 
Uh, it's crazy. Uh, yeah, I mean, they're going to have to, that's that's the deal, is who can, I think, whoever's first at monetization is going to win this win this race. I mean, those first two things I've never even heard of yet, so so you're way, you're way out there ahead of me. But, uh, I mean, it seems... It seems like we could find a more equitable way to split the proceeds. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. Now, you know, one of the things that I noticed is that uh, when the pandemic hit, a lot of artists started going on the Internet, started working their social media, because let's face it, we had time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it actually, the fans started to really gravitate towards that reality show mentality that you get from seeing the artist in their element, in their world, right. and, and getting mm-hmm. to know them, not just as someone on stage, but also someone off the stage, their hobbies, their family, their puppies, their, you know, their right. chickens, if they got chickens, you know, whatever it may be, that sure. really kind of helps for the fans to uh, in, engage themselves with, with the artist. And Mm -hmm. I think that branding has become part of the new product. Right. What do you think of, what what are you doing to kind of um, get yourself acclimated to this world of content and and social media marketing? Well, that was, that was a tough one. Like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm very old school. And when the pandemic hit, we, uh, we, we kind of sat idle for a while and, and watched, we sort of, we sort of let our friends try it out first and you know people yeah we're going to try to stream some stuff and and sure enough it's it's amazing to me to see you know there's a there's a personality type that that just played right into their hands you know uh what do you mean i don't have to go anywhere fine i don't i don't want to go anywhere anyway you know and uh and i see people that that just took to it and and they actually increased their fan base during the the pandemic you know I'm a, I'm a big Anders Osborne fan he's a guitarist from New Orleans uh, and he started doing every other Friday from his living room and and I mean you know the first the first couple of them were pretty terrible you know the technology crashed a lot and the sound was terrible and blah 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 but you know, once once they got that, once he got that down, it it was it was actually really nice. You know, and uh, I noticed it. And he, I would tune into several of them, and you know, heck, I, I think one night I looked at the little clicker thing, and there were eight hundred people. You know, there were eight hundred folks watching. I mean, that's more people than you would have played to that night had you been on tour, probably. I mean. I don't know a lot of people that are playing 800 seaters regularly anymore, uh, but yeah. So, like I said, some we did a few live streams. I don't find it very satisfying. I mean, it's cool for fans, but you know, I'm I'm kind of a instant gratification person. You know, if I at the end of a song, it's weird when it's you're in the song and it's just silence. You know, uh, that that took me a minute to to get used to, but. Yeah, you know, there are people that it really played into their hands and, and they I, I don't think I 
I don't think I gained any new new fans during the pandemic because of my social media. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, you know, I, I really appreciate you coming on the show and talking with us. Absolutely. And absolutely. Um, we're gonna give everyone out there an indie blues double shot from your new release. You All guys right. are gonna love this. You know what? Turn it up loud. Screw the neighbors. We're gonna have some fun. <laughs> Stay. We're gonna fuss and fight 
Whether you're an independent artist or a fan that loves them, makingascene.org is the place for you. For the music fan, we bring you in-depth interviews and CD reviews from artists who are on the cutting edge of original music. For the independent artist, we bring you articles on music business, recording techniques, gear reviews, and interviews with industry professionals that give you real-world information to help you negotiate the new realities in the music industry and give you the tools you need to move your career to the next level. We bring you new content every day. Makingascene.org is the number one resource for the independent artists and the fans that love them. Head on over and become part of the Indie Revolution.
preceding program was recorded earlier so the producer and cast didn't have to walk home in the dark. No! 
dreamers start believing What if believers stop dreaming Your truth and my truth They ain't the same truth, oh no
What a sweet fine thing you are Let me wish upon Your one and lucky star Let me love your troubles away And if you never come this way again See me on the street Hang like just a friend And if you never decide to love you less Like you ought to be loved Let me love you Till you just can't get enough Let me love troubles away Till the night time Turn to day
Let us now We are broken Two hearts beating But they bleed I hear the siren She is calling It's me Who's gonna leave And it's time Time to stop all this Give me one Give me one less kiss Then I'm gone Then I'm gone No point in crying Lying Blame it all on me
Here's the blue scale. Now you sing it with me. Now let's try it like this. Yeah, 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 yeah. You can't keep up the bad guy 
The moment you realize, how could there possibly be this many blues?
Shimmers like a 
That's my show for tonight. I hope you enjoyed yourself. I hope you heard some artists that you didn't know about and enjoyed some artists that you did. And remember, all of these artists that I played on this show are out there right now, touring and creating new original music rooted in the blues. If you want to keep the blues alive, you have to support the artists who are out there creating that new music. Because it is a living art form that is being performed every single night somewhere in the world. So, if you get a chance, stop by our website at makingthescene.org. You can find out about some great new artists and the ones that we played on this show tonight. Add them to your playlist. And you can discover them on our website. So, till next time, this is Lahamadou. Tech, I'm out of here. Baby, just gone away. Doctor things left home with my friend. I gone, lost my dog, I'm alone. Just fought somebody. I mean, found it funny. Got knocked in the head, man, by old friends Now lie me and think I'm dead Drink so long Gonna drink for the old damn time Gonna keep back in the seat Till I can handle it See, bombs up to me, they drink for Fill her up, more, 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 more And bombs up, I ain't hit the floor Fill her up, more, 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 more And bombs up to me, they drink for Oh
your mind. 